This is the Coming Black to Africa podcast, a show focused on helping you, the African diaspora, with your return home journey, whether you have roots here or not. Each week, I'll host someone who will share their experiences and tell their stories to help you prepare and navigate the integration ups and downs. My name is Robert Agufanabel, an Afro-Caribbean traveler, passionate about promoting and representing Africa. I am a champion of creativity, and I'll be the captain of this flight. Now, let the journey begin. Greetings, travelers. This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Coming Black to Africa podcast. On this episode, in this flight, I have a powerful gentleman joining the, the flight today. I have with me Dr. Duncan Ojuang, who is going to unpack and Tell us what it means to come black to Africa, having gone to the United States for studies, living there for many years and deciding to come black to Africa. And he has a wealth of knowledge. He is a law, a law lecturer, a dean of law students at um, a university here in Kenya. And he's going to unpack just so much about our black heritage and our black culture. Dr. Dr. Ojuang, welcome to this episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. And uh, congratulations for uh, having us on board. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. We, we are happy to have you here. And we want to get straight into the content without much further ado. Um, we will definitely put your, your bio in the show notes for people to learn more about you. But how about you just give us a brief introduction you know as to who you are we are on this flight and we're many travelers and we've seen you and we just want to know who is dr duncan ojuang uh, the passenger or the person of ojuang is uh, a man born in kenya villages uh, lived in Kenya, had the privilege of going to united states at the age of uh, 17 getting to 18 mm. And uh, so did undergrad, first degree, second degree, third degree, and fourth degree. <laughs> uh, Wait, take know, us slowly. That, those are many uh, degrees. <laughs> so Bachelor of Psychology in South Bend, Indiana. Um, then um, JD or Juris Doctorate in uh, Southern Illinois. And then Master's in Law in Indiana University. And then uh, Doctorate in Law in the University of Arizona. Uh, between that, worked, uh, go, uh, became licensed attorney in Illinois, uh, worked uh, with the public defender office, uh, basically, you know, this uh, traffic offenders, DUI or <laughs> driving while drunk and all of that. Mr. Mina, so. Y yes. Uh, within my law school, I was very active as a member of the Black Law Student Association. Right. Uh, during that time, joined uh, with uh, a lot of uh, black colleagues uh, in movements and in discussions on critical legal theory, critical race theory. Uh, and then uh, through practice, uh, when I did my doctorate in the University of Arizona, it was on the indigenous people law and policy. Uh, so for the first four degrees, 10 years, I was basically doing laws that are not mine or have nothing to do with me. <laughs> uh, when I did my doctorate then, uh, it's when now I discovered the indigenous people law because uh, the program in University of Arizona is uh, indigenous people law and policy. 
And so I was able to concentrate on group rights and not so much individual, individual. rights. So issue like land became important. Issue like culture became important because you cannot experience culture alone. Issue like language became important because you cannot speak to yourself. <laughs> issue like bilingual and English only rule and how the the the, the diversity uh, that became. Uh, an awakening. And interestingly, you know, I'd gone through legal education up to master's. Uh, so when I get to this doctorate program, I find a theory of how do we possess what we possess, uh, that being land. And the theory was, it is mine because it belonged to my ancestors. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is probably how I live in Kenya. Yeah. But how come throughout I'm hearing uh, the, the utilitarian theory, it's mine because I've mixed my labor with it, yeah. uh, which actually is favoring colonial, uh, colonization, colonization and yes. all that. Yeah. So that really became an awakening for mm -hmm. me. Uh, and... Uh, quite an experience. And then I had an opportunity to work with a special rapporteur for the indigenous people. And, and I really realized that these are the people who want to live their distinctive mm. uh, culture. I notice I didn't use the word primitive or backward, <laughs> but distinctive. Distinctive. Uh, that they say, you know, we we uh, self-determination for us is to say we want to live this way. Mm -hmm. uh, our social, our political, our economic is to say we want to own land as a group mm -hmm. and not just as a, an, an extreme individual. individual, atomic and all that. Mm -hmm. Then it helped me to review, because all along I was within human rights, uh, to review how much human right is uh, starting I uh, have the European perspective as the starting point mm -hmm. and the othering aspect of human rights. Uh, that became very interesting because uh, I had up to that point looked at human rights as, as three parables. There is a, a, a white savior, mm -hmm. there is an African savage, and there is an African victim. Wow. Basically, anywhere you look at the story <laughs> of human rights, uh -huh. you will find these three parables. Uh, uh, parables. parables yeah. You will find a white savior. Mm -hmm. It can be a country. Mm -hmm. It can be an organization, international organization. Uh, you will find an, an, a victim, usually women or uh, an, an African girl child. Yeah. And then you will find a savage, which is usually an African country or uh, basically Africa culture, culture. Yeah. which cannot wait to undertake mutilation and do that. So I was able to ch be challenged that why do I start? So I started looking at human rights from non-European perspectives. Uh, look at principles like Ubuntu, look mm -hmm. at the Islam foundation of human rights mm -hmm. and found that human rights uh, have been uh, colonized. And so we started a movement co is, uh, talking of uh, saving human rights from its friends uh, <laughs> and uh, writing books and articles written the end of human rights mm -hmm. and uh, again looking at that movement of human rights and uh, challenging challenging the the, the the human rights so in the US when you are a student there human rights is for others when you study whatever is happening in the US it's called civil law <laughs> so rights. when we were in class, we did uh, Katrina, the story of Katrina yes. and how the government mismanaged mm -hmm. and uh, probably caused loss of life or did not protect it during uh, that, that calamity. Yeah. Yes, or uh, the Haiti earthquake during that my time I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it is learned in civil law. But when you come, when you are a law student, you learn human rights and international law. So human rights is meant for those others yes. who don't have institutions, who don't have the 
the culture, who don't who, who violate laws with impunity, who don't have structures. And, and, and that is shaping. So my experience in the US are uh, basically getting there early. Yeah. Uh, you, you became know, a man. Yes. Yeah. For, for within the first week, the question is so do you like it being here? Uh, I remember telling this lady, I'm not I don't go around asking you, do you like it being an Italian in America? Why shouldn't you ask me? How is it being an African in America? You, you know, I was going to actually ask you, as you started to, well, this is early uh, when you arrived. Mm. I was going to ask you, as you got this awakening, mm. how, did it how did it impact you personally now in your relation with others? Because now you're getting this whole revelation. You know, yeah. How did that impact you at a personal level? It, it, it is painful that uh, even as I went to the US, I would know clue of african-american mm. uh i'd you know i knew i'm going to the land of the white people <laughs> and, and so they at the beginning they were always uh, a nuisance on my path uh. I, I i don't want any hindrance in my dealing with the owners mm. who are the the, the white people mm. uh, so so i'm saying that as a way of showing how much ignorant we are when we come from home mm. to go there and, and that impaired the, most of the relationship. Right. And easily we get into the stereotype and, and, and foolishness, you know, of uh, the, these people are lazy, uh, those people are different, and we get into the hierarchy well set by the majority. Mm -hmm. So we know they are up there, the, the, the Asians are a little bit ahead, and we are fighting its race to the bottom. You mm -hmm. know, at least I'm better than a Caribbean. Oh, no, I'm better than black. Mm -hmm. And the black is also fighting. So that first experience uh, was very interesting. I, I, I was introduced to this aspect. I remember my first lecture, somehow in his presentation, an African-American, Professor George Edwards, who is now one of uh, President Biden's advisor, mm -hmm. top advisor, yes. Uh, in his presentation during orientation, when he was done, he had a picture of African-American on a boat, and he wrote down there, why did you sell me? Am I not your brother? So, so I went to Professor Edward and told him this <laughs> yeah. business of we sold you uh, for a pair of shoes uh, is misunderstanding. Mm. Professor Edward, there was nothing like African-American uh, as a tribe. Right. You are somebody's child. You are somebody's daughter. Who was Someone's cousin. cousin. <laughs> so I, who is to blame here? If, if somebody's lost a child in Africa, who, we are both victims and we could be perpetrators, but there's victims both sides. both sides. So I, I entered that conversation very early. Uh, of course, uh, for right reason that when you are there, I never even thought so much as a Kenyan. I knew I'm a Luo from this village. But when you get there, you are a spokesman for Africa. And <laughs> the so entire I'm, continent. Yes. I'm seeing a Nigerian for the first time. Oh. I'm seeing a Zambian for the first time. The only people I'd seen here in Kenya is a, a Tanzanian and Uganda. Mm. But now, when something happened down in Zimbabwe, uh, it will be asked, you know, uh, so <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what happened? Uh, Do yes, you know so that person? I, I, yes, so I realized that uh, I have to speak for all these African countries. Uh -huh. I, I remember in my English assignment, uh, the teacher had uh, the issue of... Uh, uh, dictators and uh, we were to write uh, something on dictators and it was the time Mugabe was repossessing the, mm, land. the land and uh, you know I, I felt this is a, a language class uh, this is a very distinguished professor but, but, but it is like co 
feta complete mugabe is a dictator there is no discussion mm-hmm. uh discuss so i remember in my philosophy class uh, when i was asked who will you will be your hero or model i chose mugabe <laughs> and uh and ali mazrui yes and then the professor was like why why ali mazrui and and i said because ali mazrui is saying africa should also possess nuclear weapons mm-hmm. and then the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, there was a misunderstanding so i think that uh tossed me into the contest where there is the knowledge that is prevalent there is the assumption mm-hmm. uh, we are not taught to question it and uh, there is the politics of knowledge uh, that really shape us because knowledge shape your attitude yes knowledge shape even your feelings your feeling your perception uh, yes mm-hmm. we need to move beyond uh, use, looking at knowledge just in terms of logics because uh, it is knowledge that should even shape how you feel mm-hmm. and how we feel about ourselves you know at some point i had a very good professor who took me to the association of black sociologists in pennsylvania and and i realized when these sociologists were talking that if you grew up in america uh, the word for doing something dumb was you are acting african oh right uh, so if you did anything dumb in class mm-hmm. uh, the talk will be you are acting african mm. so if this is encultured and you know curriculum is a vehicle to uh, condition to shape to shape and minds to shape, yeah. and the whatever views you have will move with you to, to to adulthood so if you have associated and you are taught uh, that anything dumb or unbecoming is african mm-hmm. uh, to what extent do you have efficacy yes efficacy and, and, and power to do anything so you have been taught self hate yeah you've been taught self hate and i wanted mm-hmm. to ask you yes. that question and jump in there that you talked about your professor and knowledge and i remember you shared with me at one time mm-hmm. um, before the recording where when you first arrived uh, i think it was a professor who who wrote a book and he asked you you know what you thought what just share with us briefly that experience um yeah so that that was uh, empowering uh, because i i'd uh, been taught to not have an agency or human action uh, as a student you 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 cram you you wait for exams uh, and you you regurgitate to the professor what you have given uh, but but this professor first of all in his exam he will say please uh, it is not fun to just read my opinion or give it back to me so one time as we are leaving the class uh, this is an undergrad class uh, the professor who is a very senior professor professor nai asked me uh it was a human rights class what, what do you think about my test book <laughs> uh, i've never read a test book in terms of to critique, you know, it. <laughs> to critique the book so you know i fumbled a little bit i'm like it's good but then i realized this guy really want to know and hear what i'm thinking about the book he's like you know do you think i should continue using examples uh sh- should i use more case law and and you know uh, the discussion is way above my head <laughs> as a student who is simply reading the book to, to, cram to and pass. pass the exam and, yeah. and so I'm, i'm kind of challenged what is the expectation of this professor i i mean he's assuming that, that i can talk in terms of knowledge production and not just consumption uh, as an undergrad student and and the same thing replicated when i was actually even in doctorate i was a very poor student i was lazy <laughs> and and i remember the, the 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 professor simply had me read my work 
allowed. What is missing there, Duncan? A comma. Okay, you see what is missing <laughs> there, and then everybody in the in the office who, who was laughing. Yeah, this I can imagine. Student. Yeah. And I had developed a very poor coping mechanism mm. of minimalist. Mm. Uh, you know, you know, you better just pass this African, or he'll go back to the jungle. <laughs> Uh, you know, you don't expect excellence yeah. because I'll be going to the class discussion and groups, mm -hmm. and if it's a task, the, all the classmates want, they will ask you, "Hey, how is it? Mm -hmm. So do you like it here? Oh yeah." Then end of uh, that's it. Or, or involvement. It's just your then they get to serious question among themselves. <laughs> so you kind of accept that I'm not. Uh, your opinions are not valued. Yeah. yeah, in the law school, you know, I, I even decided not to buy textbook. Yet the rigor was big, and uh, there was the Socratic method where if it's your day, you are picked. You are mm -hmm. supposed to 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 Present. engage, engage yeah. in all the cases, all the ruling. And and you know, I kind of realized the teacher didn't expect that because he will be asking me very foolish question like, "What are the parties in this lawsuit?" Uh, so and so very good then he moved quickly to another uh, to a white student yeah. or an american student for real questions like <laughs> what is the court the ruling content, or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah so i realized that uh, you know <laughs> so you kind of get to know your standard and the expectation um do, do you think um something that led leads to that is maybe because of english not being a first language for you know an african in quotes uh, do you think it could be because of that or is it or am i just being naive is it definitely just a perception that i mean just no good thing comes from africa uh, it, it might be the impulse to rescue Mm. You, know, you know, there is the white savior, mm. uh, the impulse to always, you remember that when parable. they went to Haiti mm. and uh, carried a bus of kids back to Pennsylvania without checking whether they have relatives. There's that impulse, mm. you know, you, 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 you can never think that way because you'll think, uh, so, so that impulse to rescue, okay, I need to rescue this person patronizing to some extent mm. uh, is very much inborn. I, I also think because it's in my undergrad. Mm -hmm. that I had a, a friend who kept interpreting to me now this is what the teacher is saying <laughs> uh, and he kept doing that until my midterm results were out and he, when he, I was carrying my 85% and he had 58 <laughs> and he told me ah, so you mean you understood <laughs> and, and, and I had to tell him my brother my mind has no accent <laughs> I have no accent in my mind uh, so, so I, I, I think it is, uh, you know, you can't define yeah, attention and motive, yeah. but uh, it is it is the impulse, yeah. uh, a, a very, very, very common impulse that yeah. uh, I expect. You know, it was very common for, for us when we were there to find a grown-up like me at 40, who is even a lecturer, coming and saying, you know what, I've, I've been adopted. And you wonder now... Why would you be adopted? Mm. That language of adoption will al always be mm -hmm. a very power language mm -hmm. uh, that you will find an African family mm -hmm. that our family has been adopted. adopted. And yeah. I was asking these people, why do you say it's adoption? That No, it's just being nice. But it's so disempowering. You are not an orphan. You are a whole grown-up that came from their country with your wife and children. Now you are talking of... So, so there is that roles that mm. the society have dissected that you are supposed to be rescued and the rescuer is also ready to, ready to, to do rescue. their bidding. Right. So I want to jump to 
your interaction because you you talk about the impact and the the the, the footprints of colonialization on on the African or the black person. So as you started to discover this the hum, the human rights and the, the land, you know, and the indigenous law, you know, how how did that help you better understand, you know, black Americans or black Caribbeans and the disparity of of blacks that we have for those who are in Africa and those who are out of Africa because there's so many divergent views we don't understand each mm, other you know mm. what what's happening there how did we get there um pr- probably that that will uh, i might fail to deliver in that front mm. i'll just have my views uh, but again i i just want to encourage them you know i i, I like reading robert frost for poem mm. i shall be telling you with a sigh someone of ages two roads diverged in a wood and i took the one less traveled mm led by and that has made all the difference mm. so we, we we need to take uh, some time a road let's travel but I, I think how we we got there uh, in my view is that uh, one the, the, the system mm-hmm. is already uh, in a way have the powerful and the minority uh, by that time the word was I'm a minority uh, marginalized. Yet, when you came from Caribbean or wherever, you are not thinking as a minority. Mm. Uh, so the, there is the there is the making of the slave. There is mm. the there is no master without a slave. A slave. There is no yeah. slave without a master. master. Mm. Uh, there is the there is what Frank Fanon talks about the white mask, uh, black skin, that. Uh, the process of colonization was very patronizing and was very painful and uh, and was perpetrated uh, by force. And so we are traumatized. And because we are traumatized, uh, it is very, we are vulnerable. Mm. Uh, our experience are not mainstream. So that when you go to school, uh, your experience, your feeling, your worldview is not what you see there. Right. Uh, you, you 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 see things that do not reflect your reality. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, how did we get there? Uh, you know, so that was curriculum throughout Caribbean, throughout India, throughout mm. Africa. Uh, that the kind of education we were given, uh, what what uh, Malcolm X called the miseducation. Mm-hmm. It was actually the opposite. We were taught not to question, right. and uh, it wasn't you know culturally competent education where you have your experience in the classroom. Mm. It is logical, but you can't make meaning out, out of, of it. it. Yeah, because there's, there's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that uh, when we were dislocated, if you are an Igbo who came from Nigeria, by the time you got to a boat, you were Negro, nigger, black, uh, slave, slave, minority. So your identity kept changing. Mm. And uh, your identity was defined by somebody else. Mm. And that is why right to culture became very important Mm -hmm. and the culture of rights. So because your identity was shaken, today you are called minority, tomorrow you are called African-American, the other day you are black, the other day you are Negro, (laughs) the other day you are Ducky, and and, and all that. And all the colorism that come into that. You're light brown, you're black, you're so many shades Mm -hmm. of black. So because uh, the identity was shaken, and, and the right to identity, see, 
I come from a point of view having studied human right that the cultural discrimination precedes all forms of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, if you are a Caribbean and I tell you that your culture is inferior then I can justify even everything racism, else, yeah. everything I everything do to else, you. Yeah. The reason I treat this person differently is because, you know, they don't talk the way we talk. Mm. They don't, they eat don't the dress way the way we, way we dress. They don't have clothes the way we have clothes. They don't sing the way we sing. They don't know English. Those are all cultural elements. It's, it's, it's a lack of respect to culture, cultural yes. diversity. Right? Yes. And cultural diversity brings about identity. Identity. Mm. And so when I have discriminated you on your culture, mm-hmm then now I can justify any form of discrimination. Yeah. And, and, and so when, because what happened with the majority, well, they took their culture and already mainstream it. Right. And so even yeah. when we talk of neutral things, it is just depicting their <laughs> it's culture. It's just depicting their culture. It, <laughs> even, it, it, it's yeah. not amplifying anything else. It's just allowing the mainstream to happen without much without, resistance. Without it much is resistance. set already. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so I, I wanted mm, to, to jump quickly because I'm yeah. looking at our flight time mm, and, and mm, we're almost landing, mm, but we have so much to cover. Mm, I think mm, we might have to do a part two. Mm. But just briefly tell us, so mm. then why did you come back to, to Africa? Why did you come black to Africa? Because clearly we we can see from your story, mm. you started to come black to Africa even while you were in the US, mm. but you physically came back. Why? Why would you do that? Um, yeah, some people I, I, will consider that to be ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, you know, the when, when I was there, even uh, when I came close to having a status that is permanent residence, mm. but every time I opened my mouth, the question is, where are you from again? Mm. Where are you? Are you going back home? Oh. When will you go back home? And and so I realized that uh, I, I can't fake it forever. <laughs> you, you know, what we do most of the time in my vernacular, we say that people, a man usually might find themselves on the back of crocodile, mm. but they're afraid to jump in the wa- on the water. And so they just sit on the back <laughs> of the crocodile. I, I see that a lot of minority over there are actually on the back of the crocodile mm. but there is indecision mm. you 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 you'll rather go with what is there i'm already uh, seated at the back but you know crocodile is going is, is it will eat you conformity yes mm. rather than uh, risking to to jump mm. so will it be good will it be rosy probably not i experienced culture shock in my own country when you uh, came back yes oh, and my. and even now after four five years yeah. uh, there are still things that i find very hard but I made a decision when I came that I'm not going to judge Kenya within one month or one year because mm. within that time, all you are doing is comparing. Right. Oh, yeah, internet is faster there, it's slow here, therefore that place is better, better. here. Mm. So you're not comparing it for itself. Mm. Uh, you know, people, the, 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 there's addresses at the, at, the, at the doors, there's no addresses here, therefore that place is better mm. because there's no addresses. Mm. And, and that is what I find a lot... Uh, of literature, that's what anthropologists did, that's what we find in the newspaper, that's what we find in the magazine. Mm -hmm. It is simply somebody, because you must give yourself allowance that I will experience culture shock. I will find things different. And then you realize that, to be honest, when you travel, you pick some things. Mm -hmm. You know, so I come back here and I find I can't get hadis. And I cannot get root beer. Mm. And I realize how much, again, I like root beer. But, but it, is, it is the decision. You know, I used to really admire uh, um, wh- white people when they say uh, in this Indiana, 
Duncan, that is the high school I went to. Mm -hmm. That is the church where I, uh, I, I was okay. baptized as a kid. Mm -hmm. That is the hospital where I was born. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a professor here. Mm -hmm. You find that their, loca their, their, their existence is yeah. within uh, Indiana. Mm -hmm. But that experience cannot be yours. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I decided that, you know what, uh, if you look at life in a broader perspective, then uh, there is an experience uh, that I get that I cannot get over there. Okay. Uh, that experience is being in a country where we are the majority. Mm. Uh, being in a country where uh, even if you are an African-American, people put a tribe and say, are you from this tribe? I mean, that is ownership. <laughs> yeah. uh, Identity. Yes, and yeah. tired of feeling a form that others Please explain oh, or describe or justify. Yeah. And and so that 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 was not easy, but I decided that you know what? Uh, to me the fear was being an old man in America and being in a nursing home. Mm. And I really didn't want to be comfortable <laughs> uh, because I knew if I was comfortable it would be harder and harder. Right to and, live. Yes. Yeah. And 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 you know, I've I've heard that uh, the danger of single story. Mm. Uh, a lot of people who perpetrate how Africa is unlivable mm -hmm. are fellow Africans yeah. are, are because they are falling into the world that has been set yeah. from before yeah. uh, and they are simply perpetrating the stereotype. So you you must disengage, you must take the road less traveled, mm -hmm. whether it is visiting briefly, mm -hmm. but what you will get here is that you will first find the essence that you are a person with some bearing uh, extracted from some parts of the world. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether we went on a plane or you went on a mm -hmm. ship. Mm -hmm. We were dislocated mm -hmm. and you have been misplaced mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. And there is something called home. Yeah. And within that home, you might come and find your big brother is ignorant about your existence. Mm -hmm. But you don't apologize. You take your space because uh, <laughs> you are back home. home. And you will know that you're back home. Yeah. Yes, things might not be as rosy. You might not have space for wheelchair or the beauty. But you will realize that, you know what, uh, I, I, I'm somewhere where uh, my, my, my color is not going to be a danger for my police uh, <laughs> You don't have mentality. to think about it. You, you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Uh, where you don't have to think about your beauty in terms of, uh, of, of what is presented. Yeah. Where there is majority. It is a feeling. Yeah. It is an acquired test. And those <laughs> who have acquired it yeah. uh, will keep coming Come. every year because they are saying, you know what? Yeah. It helps my soul. Yeah. And we need this because we need brain circulation. Yeah. You know what we have in Africa is now brain drain. drain yeah. But we need brain circulation. When slavery happened, uh, people were taken to Caribbean. They took our engineers. Mm. They took our doctors. Mm. They took the best. They were mm. not taking people who are yeah. average. Yeah. So when you are there and the home is here, it's, it's suffering. Uh, yeah. you, you, you need to come and just, uh, you don't yeah. have to bring money. Don't think of yourself as that. Yeah. And you'll find it harder than a, a white tourist because for white tourists, the relationship is very simple. You are a tourist, you are bringing money. Yeah. But for you, we, we expect that you have come home, not just money, Intellect. but at least to tell us, you know what, 
how we are here. Mm. Uh, because when we started struggling for independence, you'll hear speeches of Martin Luther talking of black people, mm -hmm. whether they're in the Caribbean or Accra mm. or Atlanta, Georgia, the song is one freedom. Yeah. Yet we have become more disenfranchised, more disentangled, more disengaged, mm -hmm. where people like Du Bois deciding mm -hmm. to go to Ghana mm -hmm. uh, after not uh, teaching in Harvard. So there is a people and we are a people, and it is so sad because even if you go to the wild, every animal run as a group, and then you find black people that we have been ordered not to seek our people, our people. and our kin first, yeah. and we have developed self-hate. And you know, um, the sad thing is, what is the wild? You know, the wild is something that we were told. Mm. That, that is how it's been in Africa. Mm. Mm. The wild is in mm. reference mm. to being caged and, wow. and domesticated animals. Wow. So it becomes wild. So even our understanding of the wild is in a re the reference point is still based on the master. On the master. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they, they, there's a lot of literature. There is, uh, you know, if you lived in America, you'll find that uh, there might be a lot of food but uh, they are junk food. Mm -hmm. uh, I try to go to uh, these healthy stores mm -hmm. and you'll find that a loaf of bread is $12. Oh. You will find that you cannot get uh, non-GMO or, uh, or, 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 or green organic. or, or organic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you come to Kenya, it's even it. that street child, <laughs> that carrot organic. they are eating is yeah, organic. organic. So, so there is wealth here. <laughs> if you look at our material and our minerals, even though they were exploited and Africa was expropriated, mm. divided like a cake based on what it offers. Ivory mm. Coast, because that's where they get ivory. Mm. Gold Coast, because they mm. got gold from Ghana. Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, the statistic is showing that they, are, they didn't even take 5% of our wealth. Wow. So if you look at a country like Congo and you look at the wealth under, under Congo, it, yeah. it is much more than the than entire Britain uh, GDP. Wow. And so we, 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 we must tell our story. Africa is a story. Mm -hmm. Africa is not something to be helped. It is a story. And I invite fellow storytellers mm -hmm. because when we tell our own stories, oh, they can't withstand that. Mm -hmm. When we tell our own stories authentic from heart to heart, mm -hmm. Not, not, not turning books and pages, <laughs> unpenetratable. Yeah, you know the, the the white culture cannot accept a narrative they cannot control, control. Mm. and that narrative is that we also have a story. And that story is authentic because that story do not start with slavery, do not start with colonialism. Hmm. Uh, I, 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 I call you inferior to justify why I've enslaved you. Mm. It was simply a racist absolution so that they can sleep at night. I will call you less human because I've enslaved you and I have to justify why I'm enslaving the other person. And before that, there was, there was you were not. Before before you, someone arrived, the, the, the African was not inferior. He was his his man in his own land. He yeah. was yes. Yeah. So, Doctor Jong, I, I want to thank you so much mm. for joining us. Mm. Um, our flight is just about to land, oh, and, right. and um, it, it's it's we need we need a few more episodes of mm. this, and we'd like to invite you back for return flight because mm. um, there's so much more we need to mm. delve into it. And I love what you said that we must tell our story, and telling mm. our story cannot happen. Um, what I've learned from you is without embracing the culture, the true culture, not the, the adulterated culture, mm. right? Because that's how we tell our story. We tell our story through culture, to artifacts, to, to song, to dance, to so many other things. So I want to thank you so much for enlightening us with that. And we end every episode of the Coming Black to Africa 
podcast with asking our co-pilots our guests to complete a statement i think you already said it but i'll still ask you um so you need to answer in one word or one statement mm. um and you'll complete this this statement of mm. mine all right so africa is africa is the crowd of humanity mm. africa is home mm. uh it has been home for people who don't claim it why can't it be home for a caribbean Oh. Why can't it be? It has been home for, for, for Cecil Rhodes and for people who are not extracted from here. Mm. It is sad when I find my fellow uh, people from, ori from the same origin feeling less home, yet it has been home to De La Mer and to home to lords mm. who don't come from here. Mm. This is your home. I love that. I love that. It, I've never heard of it from that perspective. So, travelers, you heard it, that Africa is home and it's home for you. And you, you should get more interest in what's happening back home. You don't have to move here, but the objective of the podcast is to raise your awareness, to understand where you've come from and the deeper meaning of it. So I've been your captain of this flight, uh, Robert Agufana, and it was a pleasure hosting you. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review, leave a rating. And let us know what you're getting out of this podcast. And we will definitely be inviting our guests back for episodes in the future. See you again. Thank you, fellow Africans. <laughs>